Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Monday, June 14, 2021. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. And as previously noted, at least once a week in advance of the 2021 NBA draft that is scheduled for July 29th, we're going to be dedicating an episode of the Iron College Basketball Podcast to a notable prospect, same way we did in advance of last year's NBA draft. We started the series three weeks ago with a 22-minute profile of Cade Cunningham. We followed that with 22 minutes on Evan Mobley. Then we did 25 minutes on Jalen Suggs. And today we turn our attention to another consensus top five pick, former five-star prospect Jalen Green. He was actually ranked second in the class of 2020, according to 24-7 Sports. He's a six-foot-six 178-pound, 19-year-old guard from California who skipped college to play for the G League Ignite at the price of $500,000. He averaged 17.9 points, 4.1 rebounds, and 2.8 assists in 32 minutes per game. Shot 46.1% from the field on 13.6 attempts per game. He shot 36.5% from three on 5.7 attempts per game. He was the team's leading scorer and best three-point shooter. I've seen him as high as third in some mock drafts. I have him going fourth behind Kate Cunningham, Jalen Sutton, and Evan Mobley. Degleck, what more can you tell us? Uh, well, yeah, he's shot 55% from two, 36 point, uh, 36% from three-point range in 16 games at that G League Ignite level. He does have, you know, you ask what more can I tell you. For most people listening, there is the allure somewhat of the unknown here. I mean, only the diehard of diehard NBA draft fans have been keeping consistent tabs on Jalen Green. Whereas if he had gone to college, he would quite clearly be a known commodity. He would have most certainly played for Bruce Pearl at Auburn had he gone to college. And well, that would have certainly things would have gone different, I think, for the Tigers last season, if that had been the case. Green himself, by the way, tweeted back in May. He tweeted and then subsequently deleted because this isn't exactly the greatest endorsement for the G League. He said, I know for a fact if I would have gone to college, it would have been a different talk about who's going number one. He might well be right, but that's the, that's the, uh, that's the status of the G League Ignite program at this point, and that's to be expected, by the way. But, hey, listen, you're not going to go number one because you didn't go to college, but you got paid $500,000, and you're going to go second, third, or fourth, and I think that's a trade-off that quite clearly Jalen is comfortable with. Um, what else to know about him? Uh, he's regarded as a top three point getter in this draft class because he's a shooter just as much as he's, as he's a scorer GP. Those are those are different things. Shooters and scorers are not always one and the same. But in this case, Green has both skills and he is he is he is quite good. I did check in on our uh, our podcast buddy Sam Vicini. We'll get to him in a few minutes if he wants about Jalen Green's potential. He thinks that he is like a borderline lock to average north of 20 in the league, which certainly says something. And there's no there's no guarantee of anything like that, but I think there is a general consensus that he is certainly way more likely than not to average 
17, 18 or more per game within a few years of getting to the NBA, and that's going to be a big reason why he's going to go wherever he gets picked. I'll be intrigued to see if he does go ahead of Mobley. I don't think... I think he's got a shot maybe at going number two. We'll see if anything happens over the the rest of June here to to change things, but I would still take Suggs over him on our last dra- draft podcast episode. We obviously um, wax poetic heavily on why we love Suggs so much. I would take Suggs ahead of Green, but I don't think it's completely out of the question. And one interesting thing about this is you mentioned he was number two in the class of two four seven. There was def- I mean, Jalen Green has been a known NBA future NBA talent for like four years. And he was, for for some, he was considered the best player in the class of 2020 for a good while there. So um, because of that, it's it's also added up to why he's still in this... uh, in this conversation. As you said, 6'6", 178. He's got big pops, simple, effortless explosiveness. He's potentially the best athlete in this draft, which is also why he's in this conversation to go as high as, as he is. A couple more things to know, and then I'll I'll volley it back over to you. He's definitely not like a top 20 defender in this draft, and I you know, I did a little bit of research, uh, of course, in advance of us doing this, but I wanted to get a little more of a grasp on kind of where he fits in. Average defender at this point, but is seen as someone who can certainly eventually grow into be a very good defender. Like sometimes there are top 15 prospects and they are just okay defensively and that's just okay. Like that's what they're always going to be. Green actually seems to have a reachable ceiling in that regard. And I do think, I do think on a certain level, like the reason why he's not in the conversation for number one and he's not heavily in the conversation, maybe he's on the fringes of going number two is the G League experience is still not being regarded and being put in uh, as a replacement for like true high-level college competition. It's why Jalen Suggs is going to go extremely high in this draft. For as good as Green is, he's not considered that good that he could overcome the circumstances he opted to put himself into by playing in the G League. Like The G League has not been around long enough, and Green's not that great where it can be a situation where it's like, this dude is so awesome that it doesn't matter who he played, he's going to go number one. Or all right, G League's been around 15 years, and since we know what it is and we knew what he was coming out of high school, we think he's worth taking a chance on number one. Does the, That reality hasn't hasn't merged yet, GP, and so because of that, the likes of Jalen Green, Jonathan Kaminga, who we'll get to on a future episode, those players will eventually be, they're going to be the tone setters in some regard, but, uh, but he is a really good talent, and I do think that he is a classic case of a guy where once they get to summer league ball, like I could totally see a situation where, the NBA hardcores are going nuts because Jalen Green in Summer League is like averaging like 27 a game. Summer League doesn't really mean all that much, but he's a very fun player to watch, and uh, he will make the the fans of the team that he goes to quite excited because he is. I would be shocked if he is not starting by the end by the end of his rookie year. You described him as a top three scorer in this draft. I'll take it a step further. I think he's the best scorer in this draft. You called him maybe not a top 20 defender in this draft. I'll take it further. I'm not sure he's a top 40 <laughs> okay. defender in this draft. All right, um, there's, there's some real issues there, like his willingness to guard the attention to defel, uh, d- detail on, on defense is uh, not great. Leaves something to be desired. But I, I did think it was interesting. Um, the tweet from Jalen Green saying, if I had to play college, people would be talking differently about who's going number one. I don't know that he's wrong like because if he'd have played in college, we would have seen him more and he would have been on a national television twice a week for four months. Um, he was on national television some, but like some in games that people, I mean, unless you, 
It's like no. ESPN two maybe at one thirty. Like like yes, technically national television, but he was never playing in prime time where people were like finding the game. Like yeah, unless you're really into the draft, you're not watching the G League night. So I do think there's like some truth to what he said, which is if people would basically what he what he was saying was if people would have seen me play against college players on national television, then they'd be talking differently about who's going number one. I'm not sure he's wrong, um, because. We can be dismissive of the G League in the sense that it just takes you totally off the radar, um, you know, relative to to what happens to you if you go play at Kentucky or Kansas or Auburn or you know whatever. Um, but he had, he was playing against grown men who were really good college players. Like his final game for the G League night, he scored thirty in a game against a team that had Nick Stauskas, Gary Payton, Henry Ellenson. Well, not not that Gary. Gary the other Gary Payton. <laughs> Gary Payton the second. Yeah. But, like, still, like, Gary Payton the second was a very good college player. I know. The idea of Jalen Green playing against the glove is, is a hell of a visual. <laughs> That's my favorite part of the last dance, or one of my favorite yeah. parts of the last dance. Glove. The glove. Michael Jordan said the, the I had no problem with the glove. <laughs> they got they got this clip of Gary Payton talking about, oh, yeah. you know, that series might have been different if I'd have guarded MJ from the jump. Michael's watching it and he's like, I I I had no problem with the glove. The anti OJ Simpson story, indeed, yes. So um yeah, I mean, like, could you argue that scoring 30 against a team with Nick Stauskas, Gary Payton the second, Henry Ellenson, and other Notable college products who are now 25-year-old professionals. Is that more impressive than scoring 30 in college? I think you could argue it is. For sure. But even as you say that, just a quick aside, like it's so funny how sometimes when you'll talk to coaches or scouts, they will have such an amazing, keen eye and foresight on some of this stuff. And sometimes, you know, you're just talking kind of on background off the record and it just, it, they're just huge. Like I remember sitting next to... um a very well-respected then assistant in college basketball when we saw Henry Ellenson play. And this guy was like, I'm telling you, this guy's going to be a five-time NBA All-Star. He's going against <laughs> Jalen Green. In so sometimes there are occasional misfires. Henry Ellenson, very nice player. But um, when you brought his name up, I didn't even know he was in that game. But it just like you know, just goes to show you, I hope he's uh, making his way toward a, uh, a respectable return to the NBA all the same. Would Jalen Green have been in the conversation for number one if you went to college? I think the answer unequivocally is yes, particularly when I look at what uh, what Auburn was doing last season in a very bizarre, like, again, let's op- I'm operating under the idea that he would have played for Bruce Pearl at Auburn. So just specifically with that, and we look at what the Tigers were. What were the other schools involved? Oregon was involved. Memphis was involved. Yeah. I want to say it came down to Oregon, Auburn, Memphis. I think I think you're right on that. But like Sharif Cooper, who certainly wanted to get his, was a freaking dynamo. Now, Auburn was just up and down bad. They were expected to be bad. They were 13 and 14. But you put Jalen Green on that team, I think he's good enough to wear – at the very least, like Auburn is flirting with getting into the NCAA tournament. They were even close to that. And if that was the case, um, yeah, I just think that he would have he would have been better positioned to be in the conversation for number one than he is now, even though what you bring up in terms of the competition he was playing, it's legitimate. But again, uh, to me, I think this is also just the nature of the reality of what 
the uh, what the G League program is right now. Like, uh, the trajectories of Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga, most notably, because they're the two guys that are going to go top five, top six, they will... They will ignite the story of, of of the G League Ignite program because is this gonna is this gonna be something five, ten years from now, if we're mocking out players for the twenty thirty one NBA draft, will six or seven of the top twenty picks in that year be drafted by way of this G League program? Or or will this not even exist the way we know it in three or four years because of the age minimums? It's gonna be very interesting. And so I think there's still plenty of skepticism over over all of this, even if that's unfair to Jalen Green specifically, but it, it starts with him. And uh, and I think because he's so offensively gifted, there's no shot he drops out of the top five. Like, none. He is going to go in the top five. That's why he is in the rotation in this podcast series where we're talking about him because his gifts on that end are, frankly, they are undeniable because he can get to the rim. He's not super physical, but he's got a good. He, he can get to the rim with plenty of gusto. Good mid range game, solid three point game overall, and uh, on a certain level, that's just going to be irresistible. Particularly, we'll have to wait and see how the lottery shakes out. But particularly for a team that lands in that two three four spot, that is going to need some more offensive pop. He's going. This is this is a lock of locks. He will go. I agree with that. Like I would consider him as high as number two, and there's no way I let him drop further than four. Yeah. I would agree. The, the only three players I would consider taking in front of him are Kate Cunningham, Jalen Suggs, and Evan Mobley. Um, you know, Kaminga, who's an, the other consensus top five prospect, like was on the same team, in the same program, just not as good. So, like, I take him as high as two. I'm taking Kate Cunningham number one, no matter what franchise I am. For, you know, whether I'm right or wrong, that's what I'm doing. And then I would consider Jalen Green as high as two, and I would, he, he does not get past four for me. Um, and my, my point earlier was just for whatever it's worth, he performed well against professionals as a 19 year old. We can debate what that's worth. I just insist it's not worth nothing. And I could argue it's, it's as impressive, if not more impressive than what basically anybody did in college basketball, any real prospect, you know, lottery prospect did in college basketball this past season, super explosive player natural gifted score like i said probably the best score in the draft great first strip a, a great first step great leaper you can throw him lobs on backdoor cuts incredible bounce he can finish at the rim shoot from the three-point line and also possesses a mid-range game like he can score from all three levels he already has a, a step back game you know and at six six if he is six six and we'll get to that in a minute mm -hmm. um he can get that shot off easily you know, the step back three is a shot most great guards now have, and he can make that shot already. You mentioned Sam Vecini, who we'll let talk here in a minute. Um, Sam, like, writes that he'll have him graded higher entering this draft than he had Anthony Edwards. I graded. saw that, and I think I would agree with that, but I was also down on Edwards compared to most last year. But that is an interesting I, I was down on Edwards compared to most, but he was really good as a rookie. Like, he had some big scoring games, and so – that Sam is higher on Jalen Green at this point in their careers than he was on Anthony Edwards at the exact same time, I, I think is is interesting because Sam is somebody I respect as a um, an evaluator. He shot Jalen Green a good percentage from three. I think it was thirty six point five, but there were some over games in there, so he's more of a streaky shooter than a reliable shooter. Like he might go six of seven or one of seven. 
Mm. You know, six or seven one game, one of seven the next. So he's more of a, a, a streaky shooter than a reliable shooter, but, but, but that's not a major concern. He can make that shot. That's all you need to know. As far as weaknesses, we talked about, you know, his willingness to guard. You know, I, like if you are an athlete with size, it's up to you whether you're guarding or not. Like there are some people who can't guard because they're too little or they can't move their feet, whatever. But when you're an athlete with size, it's up to you. You can guard if you want to. So he has never shown a real desire to be great on the defensive end of the court. But I'm going to assume just based on his size and athleticism, he, he should be able to guard better. But he is, you, you wouldn't put defense in the positive column at this point. Um, the other thing, like, is he really 6'6"? You know, it sounds nice, 6'6 combo guard. I'm not Jerry six six. You know, he he, he so. was listed as six five coming out of high school, and that is always exaggerated. Yeah. So he was probably six four coming out of high school. Did he really grow two inches? I tried to watch as much film as I could to try to get a gauge. Like, is that six six or six? I, I honestly couldn't tell. But there's enough um, speculation out there that that height might be exaggerated for me to think that it might be slightly. He might be six four, six five. Mm-hmm. Then instead of six six, um, either way, he's pretty light at one seventy eight. Um, f- for uh, the purposes of comparison, Jalen Suggs is listed at six four, two oh five. Jalen Green's listed at six six one seventy eight. It's a twenty seven pound difference. So he's going to have to add weight, and like all skinny people, he will. But he's got to get a lot stronger if he's going to try to guard NBA guards with size and try to drive on NBA guards with size. Cause right now, 178, that's, that's, that's pretty light. The other thing that, that stands out when you watch him, he doesn't do much beyond score. Like he's not a great playmaker, not a great passer. He's really not going to get anything for anybody else, at least not at this stage in his career. And if you're somebody who starts looking for comps, who was comparable coming out of college? Zach Levine makes some sense to you? Levine was, again, Levine, one and uh, done. Not coming out of college. I thought Levine was out of his mind leaving UCLA when he did. I mean, that I think, and I was not alone. A lot of people were like, what is going on with this? Because he just was like a non-factor at UCLA. Just an absurd athlete. I would say Levine's an even better athlete than Jalen Green, but... That is an interesting one. Um, a guard with size who is athletic and can yeah. shoot. That that is that 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 yeah. is Zach Levine, and Fair. and that that is how you project Jalen Green. The interesting thing though is that Zach Levine is awesome now. Like he was an All Star this season. But you know how long he's been in the NBA? Uh, I'm gonna say seven years now. It is seven years. Yeah. This he just finished his seventh season. So it took him seven seasons and two different teams, Minnesota than Chicago to actually become this version of himself. Yeah. So how many franchisers are willing to be that patient with a top five pick? Yeah, well, you know, we'll see. Uh, but but that would be the, the concern is that the, we know he can do this one thing very well right now, but he can really only do that one thing very well right now, and it's, it's score. You mentioned his weight. Now, he is uh, like a Ja Morant-level kind of athlete, and Ja has, I mean, how much weight has Ja put on? Since some, he got, but he's very, some, very little. And now, now maybe Ja still will need to, to put on, you know, as he gets to year three and year four, maybe we'll see that he gets just another five or six pounds of muscle. It's still significant, but... When you, when you see Ja up close, it is striking how 
I mean, he's put together like, you know, he's got abs and muscles yeah. and all that stuff, but he's just, he's spindly. You know, it, yes. He is very thin. Like yes. he's a, li- he's a, you know, he's six, three, but like, but he's, l- he's a little bitty. Right. You feel like you could just wrap I, your arms right, all the right. way around but it's, it's, five times. It, it makes him honestly just among the most compelling players in the league because of that. But uh, my point is Jalen Green is that kind of an athlete. And so if he is, you know, 182, 183 by the end of his rookie year, I still think that he will bring he's not willing to be quite as violent. I mean, John ja Morant, sometimes the dunks he tries to pull off are frankly absurd. Like it almost, awesome. it almost seems like a subculture to his game, but I think that Jalen green will bring some of that to the NBA and it won't uh, restrict him from bringing that kind of physicality and, and ambition, if you will. Uh, I'm very interested to see him eventually get to the league. It would have been great to see him in college, but college basketball was fine. Not having Jalen green, the NBA will certainly benefit wherever he winds up landing. Um, I did see a highlight um, when I was watching Jalen Green stuff last night, this morning, uh, where he he did try to dunk from just inside the free throw line in an actual game. So he's got that too. You know, he'll he'll try to punch on you, um, you know, in in transition or if you know with a quick first step. Like he's he going he's he's gonna he'll create some highlights. Uh, I, I promise you, and I think he will be impactful as a scorer pretty much from day one and you can't always assume 19 year olds are going to be impactful from day one in the nba but i I do he'll you know he'll carve out a role very quickly as a scorer uh for whatever franchise ends up with him and then in time we'll see what he develops into shouts to devin downey shouts to chester south carolina shouts to isaiah austin legend shouts to larnell thank you guys once again, for listening to the Island College Basketball Podcast, in the middle of the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. We'd appreciate it. While you're there, leave a review. Five stars and nice comments. They're always nice to read. So do that, and we will talk to you again real soon. Till then, take care. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.